Uh, Ezra chapter number 3 this morning. Ezra chapter number 3. I want to look at verse 8 through verse number 11. Ezra chapter 8, verse number 11. Uh, I said that wrong. Ezra chapter 3, verse 8 through verse number 11. I want to look at these four verses and show you four things out of these four verses. And then we will go to the house. Ezra chapter number 3. If you found your place in verse number 8, I would invite you to stand for the reading and the reverence of God's holy word. Ezra chapter 3, verse number 8. Before we read, I may not pronounce all these right, but don't hold it against me, all right? Ezra 3, verse number 8. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month began Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtelah, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. And then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, and Kadmiel, Kad, his son and the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Hen-Adad, with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together because they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Let's go, Lord, in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the sweet songs of Zion, the good Sunday school time, the fellowship with God's people. Lord, I, I feel you. I feel you this morning, and Lord, I'm so thankful that I feel your spirit. Lord, I'm thankful. Lord, got joy in my heart. Uh, God, your goodness in my life, God, and Lord, I'm thankful for your goodness. But Lord, I'm just thankful that you're good, Amen. And Lord, you've blessed me so much, Lord. And I pray that you would bless us the remainder of the service. God bless the reading of your word. Bless this message. Take it and use it. Lord, let us not leave saying what a preacher or what a church or what a song. Let us leave this morning saying what a God. And I pray, God, you would speak to hearts as only you can. I love you and I thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. Thank you for standing to reverence the word of the Lord. Let me say one thing by way of introduction, and we'll jump right into our text verses this morning. The text before us details the contributions of the returned remnant in 
the things of God. Now, there was probably a lot of contributions made. I, I mentioned it last week just, uh, uh, just for clarity's sake. There, there, there is no record of this, but there is apparently a gap in history. When they returned, not only did they get after the things of God, but they also took time to get their houses in order. And I think that's all right and well in its place. Uh, amen. Uh, I think God's house ought to look good, but I don't think God's mad if your house looks good too. Somebody say amen for that. Please don't tell me cutting grass is wrong, because I do enjoy it a whole lot. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is these contributions were uh, not contributions to their family or to their well-being or to their fitness or to their mental health or to benefit their finance and all those things are right and well in their place. But the text before us this morning records their contribution to the things of God, the things of God. The furtherance of this spiritual endeavor required widespread participation. Let me say that one more time and hope somebody catches what I'm laying down. To further the things of God, it requires widespread participation. It can be done with one. It can be done with a few, but it works a whole lot better when everybody gets involved in the work of God. That's good preaching, Brother Jacob. Amen. And as we'll see today, that is exactly what they did. These return remnant, they all got in on the work. And with God's help this morning, I want us to liken their past work to our present Christian walk. So we're going to look at their work, and I want to liken it to our Christian walk. I think we will be shocked at how these two things relate Number one, I want us to see in verses number eight and verse number nine, we find that their work, it was a reputable work. It was a reputable work. The, uh, it was a reputable work. Contributing to the house of God and ultimately the work of God was of the utmost importance. Now, I, I don't want to get bogged down here. There's some things i got to hit while I'm preaching this message today. And we can either amen or oh mean. But the Lord told me i got to say them, so I'm going to go ahead and say them. And y'all just buckle up and come for the journey. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, is this. is Church is what, to a lot of people, uh, what is, if I've got time. If it is convenient, if my schedule allows, listen to me, listen to me well, somebody needs to hear this this morning, church isn't what you fit into your schedule, a church is what you fit your schedule around. Amen, Amen, brother Jacob, hallelujah. And uh, it shouldn't be something on the back burner, well, I'll serve God, I'll be faithful to God if it doesn't interfere. Listen to me, friend. Listen to me well. Uh, you say, well, it just seems like, you know, Brother Jacob, I mean, I got this going on. And then you go do your own thing, put God on the back burner, and then it all falls apart. And you're like, I wonder what happened. Right. You put God on the back burner. Yeah, right. Amen. That's good preaching. Don't put God on the back burner and when things blow up. I wonder what happened. Right. Preach, I don't know what happened. I do. I do. We've been dealing with some family situations. We've got three family members going through horrible situations. Horrible, horrible situations. And they are bad. They are depressing, but I can't allow them to get depressed. If the pastor allowed everything bad he heard to depress him, I'd be depressed all the time. 
Because you know what happens when something bad happens in y'all's life or around y'all's life, you know, you call me. And I'm thankful that you do, but I can't let it depress me. I can't, I'm going to say this, I'm going to hit myself. I cannot be emotionally invested in every bad thing that comes my way. And I hate the, the, the events around, in and around our family that I've heard this week, but I'm, I'm almost kind of at the point like I, I don't know if dijected is the word, or kind of pushed it off as the word, and it's sad, and it stings. I mean, it's a bad situation, Brother George, but I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. All three situations, everybody was warned. Yes, sir. If you do that, this is the life you're going to have, and now they're living the life that they have. You've been warned. And that's what you get. Can I give you a warning this morning? If you put God on the back burner and look at God as something as you can do in your convenience, and I'll read my Bible when I feel like it, I'll pray when I feel like it, I'll give to God when I feel like it, I'll, I'll serve God when I feel like it, I'll live a clean, godly, holy, pure life when I feel like it. Listen to me, friend, listen to me well. You ain't ever going to feel like it, and you will feel the, the, the penalty of living such a life. I thought about this. Somebody was talking to me about it, and I just kind of, I'm just. I'm almost want to tune the situations out. They're sad. It's. It, I don't know what to believe, and it's bad. Is it as bad as this has been said? And blah blah. I, I mean, I, you know, you get to the want, 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 want. Just hearing about something. Y- y- I, am I the only one? Am I the only one? It's blah blah. I mean, I'm just, I want. I want this. I want it to be over with. I just, just go away. I just. I'm tired of hearing about it. Y'all, am I the only one that does that? Amen. Tired of hearing about it. That they ain't gonna listen. They ain't gonna listen. Why am I hearing about it? Why am I wasting my breath on it? Right. Amen. Owe me some. We don't put God on a back burner and not feel the consequence. Thought about this. We talked last night, Macy. That want want. Just I'm, I'm tired of hearing about it. I wish people could think about what I thought about last night. Not every situation we dealt with this week, but there are some who only want God, they only seek God when their world is upside down. And I didn't let Macy finish what she was saying. I said, umbrella, spare tire. She said, huh? I said, umbrella, spare tire. What? I said, they treat God like he is an umbrella or a spare tire. They only need him when something goes flat. They only need him when it rains. I'll be honest with you. If somebody only comes to me and has anything to do with me when they need something from me, they don't love me. They're using me. I don't, Ms. Meyer, I don't want God to ever think that I'm using him and I don't actually love him. Amen. Well, God knows my heart, Brother Jacob. What well, well, does he? You've spit on them, forsaken them, and rejected them, but you want to uh, run to them when your world's upside down. Where were you when your world was going right? That wasn't in the message, but it was obviously in my heart. Don't. We can't let everything be else more important than God. Brother Jacob, God established a home before he did the church. You are exactly right. That is true. But he didn't establish the home before he did the God. Amen. He was there before there was an Adam. He was there before there was Eve. He was there before there was a Cain, Abel, and Seth. I think he takes first place. Amen. He takes first place. It was a reputable work. The involvement of what we can call leadership. And notice what the Bible said in verse number 8. Verse number 8, let me find one. I didn't highlight it. That's what I get for not highlighting. 
and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem. So you got leaderships coming, and everybody else that came out of captivity, they are coming, uh, they are getting involved, they are interested in. Seeing that involvement of leadership and everyone else leads me to believe that everybody held this work in high regard. Everybody held the work of God as in high regard. I don't know your hearts. The Lord does. But I, I'll just ask you this. I've asked myself this before and i ask myself again. If everybody in this church was as dedicated to the Lord as you were and as I was, would it be a good church? If everybody in the church was like me, or everybody in the church was like you, would it be a good church? Unfortunately, sometimes I'd say no. It, can't, it needs to be steadfast consistency right. on the things of God. High regard. Is, is, is the work of God considered high regard to you? Is walking with God considered high regard to you? I got a loved one, and I'm not trying to be ugly. I got a loved one. Not where they need to be with the Lord. If they're listening to this right now, you're not where you need to be with the Lord. If you know who I'm talking about, you're not where you need to be with the Lord. And they don't hear much out of anything, but they make it a goal to send me music videos of music that I don't listen to. Please listen to this. No. Don't, I don't listen to that. So get so worked up, Ms. Meyer, on me hearing a song. Instead of getting so worked up about me hearing a song, if you want to send me a good gospel song, I'll listen to it. But you send me the world to me, so be so interested in me hearing a song. But getting emotionally invested in your preacher relative listening to a worldly song, if they got that invested in me, and not me hearing a song, but them hearing from God. Oh, if they got invested and committed to them hearing from God as they were as me hearing the song, their world would be different. Amen. Not all right. The Bible tells us verse 8, they set forward the work of the house of the Lord. And in verse number 9, the Bible tells us they set forward the workmen in the house of of God. They invested, they got involved with because why, why did they get involved? Why did they get invested with? Listen to me, don't please don't miss this this morning. Why did they get involved? Why did they get invested? Because it meant something to them. If God means nothing to you, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna show up and show out. The church means nothing to you, you're not gonna come in and partake and get involved and be invested in. If you don't love Sunday morning church, you you're not going to get anything out of it. Well, I love church. I love, I love church, but you're not invested in it. I love the children. We've been asking for help. <laughs> Make comments about the music, but you don't sing. Come on. Come on. Amen, Brother Jacob. I don't know if this is a crude term. I don't know if it's a crude term. If it is, you have to forgive me. I'm saying it in ignorance. This is all, I don't know how to convey what I'm trying to say without using this term. Some people don't have any skin in the game, and it shows. Yes. 
If that's a crude term, I'm sorry. That's the only thing that comes to my mind. They're not invested in it at all. And therefore they get nothing out of it. Why? Because it means nothing to them. You know, I want my kids to turn out for God, be born again children of God, walk with God, be Holy Ghost filled men, marry beautiful, godly women. Why, Miss Judy, why do I want that for my children? Because I've, I've made investments in them. I've been praying over them since before they were born. I've prayed over them since they've been born. I'm reading them the Word. I'm trying to show them the way. I'm trying to, I've got it, I'm invested in them and I want them. They mean something to me. The church means something to me. The things of God mean something to me. Do they mean anything to you this morning? I'm not trying to get bogged down here, but obviously God wanted us to be. They got in. They They got invested. They got involved because it meant something to them. Notice, I'm pointing this out and I got hurry. It was the leadership, the religious leaders... And all those that came out of captivity. Can I liken that to the saved? You've been taken out of captivity. So you had leadership and all the saved, Brother George. It can't just be leadership that cherishes the things of God. It can't just be me, pastor, Brother Ed, the deacon, Brother Bill, the adult Sunday school teacher. It's got to be the whole church is interested in the things of God. We're going to have Lord's Supper tonight. We do it four times a year. Ain't going to be nothing special. That's the 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 Lord G, the last thing the Lord Jesus did on this earth before he was crucified was institute the Lord's table for us to have perpetual uh, remembrance of the sacrifice he made on the cross of Calvary. Lord, tell me means something to you. God, fellowship again. Fellowship ought to mean something. Singing praise to God ought to mean something. Hearing the Word of God ought to mean something. It should. It should. It should. Are you cherishing, working for, and walking with God? Does it mean something to you walk with God? Are you invested in walking with God? Are you involved with walking with God? Are you amongst those that place value on walking with God. It is a reputable walk. It's highly regarded, highly valued. It is cherished. It is a walk worthy of our following. Amen. Number one, is a reputable work. Number two, it's a restoring work. Look at verse 10. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord... They were sent, why were they led out of captivity? To go build a house for the Lord God in Israel. They were sent to rebuild the temple. And they acknowledged that doing so meant being honestly observant as we saw last week in verse 7. The foundation of the temple was not laid, so they got busy at their Starting place. I wish I could preach right there for about an hour, but I'm not for sake of time. But can I tell you something? You don't, you, you're not going to be a spiritual giant in a day. You got to start somewhere. Start in the faith. You trust in Jesus Christ. Then you grow. Then you build and you mature as a Christian. But out of the matter is some people like to start and play so much they decide to stay there. You can't be babes forever. If a baby didn't grow, they would say, hey, something's wrong. Say, well, hang on. The head's not the right size and the legs ain't the right length and the arms don't look right and the heart don't sound right and the teeth should be bigger and the eyes should be bigger and they should be growing. 
Can I say to the children of God, you've got to get a starting point, but then you've got to go on from the starting point. Now, what in the notes, but hey, praise God for it. So they realized what was wrong and they got busy there. Making the temple complete had to start with laying of a sure foundation. Yes. A sure foundation. I've never built any houses. If you don't know about that, you can probably talk to Brother Bill about that. He's got the expertise. But I do know this. Yes, take, building a house does, does take part in constructing walls and putting a roof on and framing. But there's one crucial part that's got to take place before any of that happens. There's got to be a foundation. There's got to be footings. There's got to be something to... I got walls and I got a roof, but you got to have something to hold the walls and the roof. They'll rot. That's exactly right. They'll sink. They'll be destroyed. They had to have a sure foundation. That's where they started. By starting, they made some progress toward their desired end. You say, Brother Jacob, I'm, I'm not as far along in this Christian life as I want to be. It's okay because neither am I. If you ask anybody who's honest with God and honest with themselves, they would realize that they're not where they want to be. I think you'd be lying. I'm just, I, Brother Bill, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a good as Christian I ever want to be. That's a lie. I'm not what I could be. You say, well, you're doing good. I'm not like Jesus, though. Amen. That's what being a Christian is. It's little Christ. They were called Christians first at Antioch. Right. Little Christ. We should want to be like Christ. We should... Uh, if I want to be a spiritual giant, I want to be further along, I want to do this, you've got to start somewhere. Amen. You're, you're saved? Do you know you're saved? Are you in the family? I'm looking forward to the end of Romans chapter number 9 where it tells us that how does righteous, how does someone get the righteousness of God? By faith. Woo, by faith. You get, you get a little bit of faith. You get faith in God, you get saved. And then you start reading God's Word and He'll grow you. And then you start reading God's Word and He'll start changing you, conforming you, and molding you. He saved you and now He's starting to sanctify you. And He's working on you. And He's working on you. And you say, Brother Jacob, when does He stop? He's going to keep on working on you until you get home. Amen. Sanctification is a lifetime thing. But then it'll end. Boom, one day in glorious glorification. He won't be working on me anymore, Brother Bill. Then one day He will be done. But He's not done with me yet. He's working on me now. Make progress toward the desired end. You want to be a, you want to be a, a godly mom or a godly dad or a godly grandpa or a godly grandma or you want to be a godly student or you want to be a godly sibling or you want to be a godly church member. You've got to take the necessary steps. I can't make them for you. Your spouse can't make them for you. Your friend can't make them for you. The deacons can't make them for you. The Sunday school teacher can't make it for you. You've got to make that own decision that you will allow God to work on you to make you better. So I don't need to be made better. That's a problem. Well, I'm a marriage expert. Listen, you, you could still be a better spouse. I'm a finance expert. You could probably still be better at finance. I'm a spiritual giant. Well, you're probably lying. You're probably not with that attitude, with that statement. It's restoring. It is repairing. It is. So, what is God repairing? Do y'all know that man is fallen? Yes. If we just like, we're so smart, we're so sophisticated, we're, we're the most intelligent age that there's ever been. It's not true. The first creations, Adam and Eve, Brother Jamie, they were, had perfect wisdom, perfect intellect. That's not true. They were made in the very likeness of God, and sin is what destroyed that. 
I'm not where I should be, Brother George, but I, I'm glad he's still working on me. Amen. That's what we learn in this walk with God. You never, This walk with God is not like, oh, I'm so wonderful. This walk with God is, oh, he is so wonderful. And taking this initial step forward declared that the temple was being worked on and was heading towards what it was supposed to do, uh, what it was supposed to be. Listen to me, when you wake up and you read your Bible, you do that that first time you make Bible reading a part of your daily life, you're taking one step, because God's working on me. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm headed there. And then you, you take time and you pray and you're declaring to the world, to, to the flesh and the devil that, hey, God's working on me. When God begins to change something in your life and you have to put something away and pick something else up and you've got to mortify this and raise this and you, it's a testimony that God is where I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but I'm heading there. I'm perfect. You, you're humble too. Humble liar. When we walk with the Lord, every right step we take is a testimony of His working on us and in us toward what we ought to be. There's probably a song in your mind as I say those words to make us what we ought to be. And the old children's song is, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. I'm going to say this and I move on. I have experienced progress in the Christian walk. I have. When I started walking, I got saved at seven years old, but I went seven, eight years of my life without anybody ever telling me to read my Bible and pray, Miss Meyer. I'm serious. I got saved right before my seventh birthday. For seven years, I just went to church, went to Sunday school, went to revival, and maybe went to singing. But it wasn't until I was 14 years old, I was in a youth meeting, and they said, You young people need to be walking with God. You ought to be reading your Bible, praying. And I was like, Hmm. Okay. Then I started doing I started reading my Bible. I said, well, well, I didn't have enough time yesterday, so you know what? I gotta start waking up earlier to read my Bible. I gotta wake up earlier to pray. And you know what, Brother George, I started doing that. God started working on me, working on me. And then this that used to be in my life is no longer in my life. And this God God started changing me. And can I tell you, God's still changing me. He worked on me as a high school kid. And then he worked on me as a young adult. Now he's working on me and as, a, as a husband and as a dad and as a pastor and as a preacher. And oh yeah, he's still working on me as a child of God. I've made progress. I've experienced progress. But he's still working on me. I have a long way to go in this walk. But he's still working on me. He's still bettering me. You, listen, please don't miss this. You think, don't lie to yourself. You can be better. You can be. And I can be. And you know how you get it? You walk with Him. You walk with Him. He'll make you better. It is a restoring walk. Number one, it's a reputable walk. Number two, it's a restoring walk. We're likening their work to our walk. Number three, we see that their work was a recognizable work. Look at verse 10, that latter part. They set the priest in their apparel with trumpets. And the Levites, the son of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Now, y'all don't shut me off here. I'm going to make a point, but I'm going to circle back, so don't cut me off. It was recognizable. I'm just going to say this. They had the right apparel. They had the right instruments. They looked like they were supposed to look. 
You know what they had this apparel on? Where did that apparel come from? Oh, they brought it back and it was cataloged in Ezra chapter 2, verse number 69. Those priest's garments. They had in their hands what they were supposed to have in their hands. Trumpets. That's according to 1 Chronicles 15, 24. They had symbols according to 1 Chronicles 15, 16. Brother Bill, this will be a study for you. I don't know why I didn't have the rest of the instruments, but that's what they had. All right. And uh, but So they had symbols. They had trumpets. They had the right apparel on. Now, you say, what are you saying, Brother Jake? What the, how they were dressed, what they were holding, identified them for a specific purpose. Now, I'm going to get in trouble when I say this. But I still think Christians ought to be identified from this world. I saw a preacher, a preacher uh, the other day. This preacher's in his 40s. He's been preaching probably longer, I mean, probably longer uh, than I've been saved. And he's got a good church, and he's got a growing church. I'm, I, mean, he's just, I mean, he's been passionate for years and years and years. And he had the wherewithal to get up and preach in a T-shirt. A T-shirt. Now listen, listen, well, you wear what you, the best you got for the Lord, but I, it would be, if I got up in this, look, I'm going to say something. If I got up to preach in this white T-shirt that I got on on my body, number one, it's, 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 well, you know, you wear white too long, they don't stay white. That's right. The word I'm trying to say, I don't know if it's appropriate, it's raunchy. Amen. They, they, they get worn. That's not the best I have to wear. It's not the best I have to wear. He said, Well, could I bring a pocket New Testament to church and read it? Yeah, I could. That's all you got. Thank God for it. But no, I got a, I got a full size Bible. I got a nice Bible. So I bring the right thing to church. We should be identified. How we look should identify us. And what's so sad, Brother Bill, you, you've probably experienced this before uh, from, from your past church history. But if you, somebody see Christians a certain way and they'll say, oh, they're holiness. Right. Oh, they're church of God. I wonder why they say, oh, they're Baptist. A lot, a lot of times Baptists look just like the world. Did how they looked and what they had in their hand distinguish them? Absolutely. Not everybody had those garments on. Not everybody had those things in their hand. Do I believe the Bible teaches how we ought to look and dress? Absolutely. I do, I do, I do. Um, I'm going to say, I just got to take time to say it while I'm here. Everybody breathe, breathe. I'm going to say something in line with the Bible. The Bible makes it plain that there's men clothes and women clothes. There's men clothes and women clothes. Deuteronomy 22.5 tells women not to put on that which pertaineth to a man, and a man's not to put on that which pertaineth to a woman. Can we all agree it's sick and perverted for a man to put a wig on and put a dress on and read books to children? Let me say it one more time. It's, it's nasty that a man puts lipstick on and eyeshadow on and puts a dress on and reads books to children. Right? It's nasty. It's wrong. Men shouldn't wear women clothes. But if the other doesn't bother us, we're hypocrites. Women wearing men's clothes. I'm not going to tear you along on this, but I just got to say this. You just got to say it because the Lord told me I'm supposed to say it. Men and women are supposed to be distinguished and what they wear 
when you see a man from behind, you ought to be able to tell by his clothes and his haircut that he's a man. Right. When you see a woman from behind, you should be able to distinguish that by her hair and her clothes that she is a woman. Right. And I don't mean that, that, that the man's clothes are, clothes are loose and the woman's clothes are tight or anything like that. They are different types of... I'm just, there's different... There's God-made man clothes and woman clothes. Now, for those that have never heard me preach on this before, you just, you just ask God help you pray about it, and, I, and, and God, will, God will hopefully show you some things according to His Word. But I, for those that have been coming to the church for many years, y'all just, y'all amen, y'all amen, a man wearing woman clothes but years ago, I told the church that a lot of what women wear today was based on a woman putting on man's clothes, and you said, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Woo, Brother Jacob. Yes. We can't be opposed to it on the other side Come on. and be okay with it on this side. Right. We're hypocrite. Right. That would be like saying, I don't believe, I don't believe a man should hit a woman. And I don't. Don't y'all believe that a man shouldn't hit a woman? He hits you, we ought to hit him. Somebody say amen. It's wrong for a man to hit a woman. But it'd be foolish for us to say it's okay for a woman to hit a man. I'd be like saying, I don't believe a mother should abuse her child. But it's okay for a father to abuse their child. Is that goofy? If it's wrong for the woman to do, it's wrong for the man to do. If it's wrong for the man to do, it's wrong for the woman to do. Now, I'm not tearing it along. Y'all do with what you want to with that. But I believe there are specific things meant for a specific gender. Man and woman, male, female. There is no in-between. Amen. Do I believe the Bible teaches how we ought to dress? Absolutely. Do I believe that the Bible warns us about what we have in our hands and what we have our hands in? Absolutely. What we have in our hands and what we're putting our hands. I believe God's Word warns about... Absolutely, I believe that. Did these visible elements mark them? Certainly. They had on... Brother Jane, probably in our mind, probably clothes that looked a little goofy. They had trumpets and cymbals in their hands. And brother, I don't even know if they were trained in playing trumpets and cymbals because they'd been in captivity and they didn't get, they didn't get this, the, the, these products back until after the fact. So I don't even know if they're real good trumpet players or cymbal players, but they had them. Did these things mark them? Yes. There was a distinguishing yes. Did, were they visible cues to the world that they were about to do something different than the rest of the world and what they were going to do was to glorify God? Yes. But what really marked them was not these visual cues, these visible elements. What really marked them was not what they did. Rather, it was why they did what they did. Amen. Now listen to me, listen to me well. There are, I, listen, I've met some mean men in black suits and nice dress shirts and pretty ties. And I've met a lot of mean women with a nice Sunday dress on and her hair just fixed right. The outside doesn't make you a Christian. Amen. They might be accused of who you belong to, but what the, the don't do I'm at church, but I hate being here. You're here for the wrong reason. Amen. I dress this way because I gotta dress this way. I'm expected to dress this way. You're doing it for the wrong reason. I gotta give money and all, but you're doing it for the wrong reason. It's not what we do, it's why we do. 
It's why we do. You say, Brother Jacob, why do they put these, this, these clothes on? Why do they have these instruments in their hands? The Bible tells us plainly they did it after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Amen. I just want to put this goofy outfit on. No. I just want to, I want to play a trumpet. I want to play a cymbal. No. They were following a pattern. It's not so much what we do, it's why we do. Why do I have to be a stickler about TV and investigate television? Because I have to. God's Word tells me I can't just let anything in this whole world have my children. Why do I say, hey family, we're not doing this and we can't do that because God told me to lead my family. It's not just the fact that I'm doing it, it's because why I'm doing it. And it wasn't just some, some, some random man they were obeying, it was a particular king. Y'all missed that. It was, Brother Ed, it wasn't just some random man that they were following. It was a particular king. And listen to me this morning. The reason, the way I conduct my life and I walk into my life and I want to lead my family, it ain't based off Trump, Biden, Fauci. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't on Kemp. It ain't on, it's not even about Brother George Landon or Brother Ed Estes or Brother Will Norton. My life ain't about y'all. My life's about him. It's not just so much what we do, it's why we do it. They were following the king. Can I tell you this morning, we ought to be doing not just because, well, I was told to dress this way. I was told to sing this way. I was told to come to this kind of church. I was told I was supposed to sing in the choir. I was told this, that, and the other. Nope, it ain't because Mama said it or Papa said it or even the preacher said it. It's got to be because God said it. If you do it because a man said it, you'll build resentment. But if you'll do it because God told you to do it, you'll love God and appreciate God for His warning and His instruction and the attention He's given in your life. Don't just, hey man, don't just do it because a man said, do it because the king said. It's not so much what they did, it's why they did it. You say, well, Brother Jacob, did the world see what they did? Yeah, everybody around saw what they did. Brother George, more importantly, they saw why they did it. They didn't just obey an instruction. They obeyed the one who gave the instruction. We had a talk to our boys last night. Macy said, oh yeah, by the way, just at at random, I hadn't even thought about it. It's at random. He said, hey, when y'all do devotions tonight, uh, you got to talk to the boys about tithing. I'm like, oh, my goodness. The boys made some chicken money this week, and they're selling eggs not for personal gain. They're, they're selling chicken eggs to pay for chicken food. All right? Chicken food's expensive, by the way. And I said, hey, and I'm thankful that they made $10 this week. I'm like, Lord, thank you. I didn't have to do, like, big math with them, you know. I said, all right, you know, you got $10. So you got one dollar, two dollar, three dollar, all under ten. So what the Bible said in Genesis chapter twenty-eight that a tenth of that, which yes. a tithe, is the Lord. So now you got one dollar, and you got left over nine dollars for chicken feed. And right now they're just going off what Dad said. Dad said this is right. This is what we do. Don't understand it, but Casey said I don't really understand it, but we're doing it. Like this is what he said this morning. So <laughs> thank you for your honesty, son. But there's a time in life for a child, they just, they're going with the flow of the instructions of those that are instructing them. 
When, when I had the, I, I hated it. I hated it. I, I was so mad at my parents when I was little because I, y'all remember them? I think they were called Janko jeans. Y'all, y'all kids ever have Janko jeans? They're the baggy blue jean shorts with like dragons and bears and stuff on the back pockets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They, I used to get them at Coles. Huh? That, I, I said, Dad, I can't wear those shirts. He said, No, you're going to wear some church clothes. I don't want to. I always want my, my parents were they they were they they brother Bill they allowed us to get airbrushed T-shirts every year at the beach and I'm sure that's kind of cool or whatever but it's a way you know you get, you gonna throw it away when you get a new one it's got a new year on it right but I always wanted to wear my my uh, my, my, my my baggy blue jean shorts with a dragon head on the back of them and I wanted to wear my 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 airbrush shirt church and I said no 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 son you need to wear a collar shirt and I, I didn't understand that but I just did what Dad said. But then, as I got older, I met the Lord. And as I got older, I started walking with the Lord. And Dad didn't have to tell me where to call her. He didn't have to tell me how to wear, to wear a tie. He had to teach me how to tie a tie. But he, he didn't tell me how to wear a tie. He, he, listen, he didn't tell me how to wear dress shoes, but he did show me how to polish my shoes. Thank God for that. Amen. And those are some skills that kids need to learn, by the way. But Amen. But the truth of the matter is, is it went from being Dad's command, and it wasn't just I was following the preacher's command. I started following God's Amen. command. Will the world see what we do? Yes. But more importantly, they should see why we do. Twice in the past week, I'll go and just let you in. It probably had to do with the fact we had just got out of church. But two times we had been approached and somebody asking, talking about how blessed we are and asking if we're Christian, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just, I don't know if they're Christian. I'm going to take that opportunity to, well, you're blessed. They're, they're seeing something. We're blessed. You're so blessed. You're such a blessed man. You're such a blessed family. But I've made sure to interject to make sure they know why I am blessed. And one of them, he goes to a fundamental Baptist church. And the other one, he said he's going to visit us. So we'll see. We'll see. But I don't just want them to see what I do. I want them to see why I do. Some people are walking this Christian walk because they have to. Not because they get to. Some people are walking this Christian walk and they're focused on the what. But they fail to recognize the why. Right. Right. Amen. Right. I'm going to say this. I've got to move on. I'm, I'm almost done. Regulations without respect equals rebellion. Mark that down. Regulations without respect equals rebellion. If, Brother, da- Brother Bill, when they said... After the ordinance of David, king of Israel. They weren't like, David said. They said, no, the king. The greatest king Israel had ever known said. If you look at it like, oh, he's just, God said. But if you say, the king of all glory said. It won't be rebellion. It'll be reverence. The world will see what we do and why we do, and it will be evident. It's a recognizable walk. Last thing I'm done, i got to hurry. Verse 11. They sang together by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because He is good, for His mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. It was a reputable work. It was 
a restoring work. It was a recognizable work. But let me say lastly, it was a rejoicing work. Now the key, the key to this verse is there's, there's two words that start with S that you can highlight or underline. The first one is sang, and the second one is shouted. Well, you say, well, why were they singing and why were they shouting? Singing, why are they singing? Why are they shouting? First time I ever got around, yet uh, I've grew up in old time independent Baptist church my whole life, but it's never around a whole lot of shouting. And there was like the every church had that grandma that would shout, you know what I'm talking about? And it'd scare you to death. But I've never been around when it was not just like one somebody's grandma who shouted and scared everybody. But he got around, there's a whole lot of shouting. You got some crying and some waving their hand, and some, uh, some people laugh when the Spirit touches them. And then you got some people shouting. But I've never been around young women shouting. I've been around old granny women shouting. But I've never been around young Christian girls shouting. And it about scared me to death. I mean, I was like, oh man, we need to we call a priest or something. I mean, he scared me. And I said, well, I, I, I ran into a girl uh, that was at a meeting at school, and I was like, kind of shocked. I'm like, wow, you go to school? Like, I, I thought you were a figment of my imagination. I thought I just hallucinated that or something. And uh, I said, man, it was a blessing hearing y'all scream the other night. And I'll never forget what she said, Brother George. She said, she said, I ain't screaming. I ain't scared. So we're shouting. Screaming. That's wrong. Don't scream. Shout. Amen. Shout. Scream's negative. Shout. It's a positive. So get them out. They're singing and they're shouting. Not just singing and not just shouting. They're singing and shouting, Brother Bill. And the Bible gives reason why. Y'all see this? The, the key to verse 11 is the two, word, two times we find the word because. Why were they singing? Because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. So why were they singing? He's good. His mercy endures forever towards Israel. They shouted. Why did they shout? Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. They sang about what never changed. They singing about God. And they shouted about what had changed. Let me say that again. They sang because God never changed. They shouted because their life was starting to change. I hope y'all follow where we're going. They sang because He never changes. They shouted because what He was doing in their life was creating change. They sang because of a landmark. God never changes. They shouted because a milestone. Progress is happening in my life. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning? We ought to thank God for what He's doing, and we ought to thank God for who He is. He is a God that never changed. Uh, there's an old song. Uh, I can't remember the words of the song. Macy probably could throw it and spit it down. I said, uh, I, I, uh, the chorus says, uh, Friend, God does not change. I may not know how. I may not know when. He'll do it again. That's the song. He'll do it again. But that, that's what the chorus says. Friend, God does not change. You know how we sing and we praise and we glorify God because we serve a God who does not change. The president changes. The governor changes. Our favorite ball team or ball player might change. Our favorite music group may change. The world around us changes. But we serve a God who will never change. Your circumstance may change, but God will not change. So that Therefore, we sing to the Lord. But then they shouted. Why are they shouting, Brother, Je- Brother Jake? Why are they shouting, Brother Jamie? Why are they, what are they so excited about? Because God was doing something in their life. The foundation was laid. 
the foundation was laid. They shouted because who God was and what God was doing. They worshiped because both. But please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Please, I, I mentioned this at the very start of service this morning. We may not always be able to worship God for what's happening in our lives, but we can always worship God for who He is in our lives. Yes, sir. You may have a hard time worshiping when you hear the word cancer. You may not be able to worship a whole lot when you hear the word surgery. You may not be able to worship a whole lot when you hear the word terminal. You may not be able to worship much when you hear the word gone. You may not be able to worship much when you hear the word broke. You may not be able to worship much when you hear the word divorce. You may not hear, uh, be able to rejoice much when you hear the word incarceration. You may not be able to rejoice in this situation and that situation. But can I tell you, you may not be able to rejoice about changes happening in your life. But you can always rejoice in the God who never changes. Miss Macy, would you come? They celebrated a victory. But most importantly, they celebrated the one who is responsible for making it happen. Can I say this? I close. They found walking with God or working for God was wonderful. I'm here to say this morning, walking with God is wonderful. It is a rejoicing walk. When we walk, when I wake up this morning to walk with Him, and I wake up tomorrow to walk with Him. I, Brother Bill, I don't wake up my feet at the floor and say, "Lord, I." Well, he'll give me strength for some horrible days. It's a grand and glorious feeling. Miss Kathy, I, I don't got to be down or depressed and defeated walking with God. I can have joy, as the Bible says, unspeakable. Joy, unspeakable. Peace that passes all understanding. Joy when the world says we shouldn't. Why? Because we're walking with the one. Who created it all and we rejoice this morning we've looked at their work we've equated it to our walk I ask you some questions as we stand do you regard this walk with God does walking with Him matter something to you as you walk with God are you, are you okay with God working on your life and bettering you maybe you don't see your need to be better. Maybe here this morning you've been a chameleon. You're blending in with the world. The world can't see a difference in you. Ask God to help you. Not just what you do, but why you do. And maybe this morning you've allowed circumstances to distract you and you've lost sight of not what's going on, but who's going on. Listen to me as we pray. You may not always be able to praise God for what's going on, but you can always praise Him for who He is. Miss Macy's going to sing, if you need to do business with the Lord, this is your opportunity.